Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, remain standing. Let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 24. Luke 24. I've been doing a series, excuse me, on when storms come. Last week we talked about being refreshed. Some of the kindest comments you have made concerning preaching I received last week. I'm appreciative of every good comment. Believe it or not, I've been preaching now for almost 22 years, but there are days I leave the pulpit and say, God, I missed it. I failed you today. There are days on Mondays I feel like quitting because I feel like I did not apply the Word of God with grace and anointing that made a difference in somebody's life. Somebody sits up under the sound of my voice as they have in the past and then take their life. I feel the responsibility upon my shoulders. So when comments come, they are they're grateful. And I say that not to ask for more, just to simply say thank you for every good comment you've made lately. Somebody say amen. amen. Let's go to verse 28, please, for time's sake. Scripture said, Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther, which is a very powerful text concerning what would have happened if not these two followers made indication that they wanted him to stay in their home. But they constrained him saying, abide with us, for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass that as he sat at the table with them, he took the bread. I want you to notice who took the bread, who did the leading, even though it wasn't his home. It's very important. We'll stress on that in a few moments. Blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. Verse 32. And they said to one another, did our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, this late hour, and found the eleven and those were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Last verse. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Blessed be the reading and the hearing of God's holy word. Would you stretch your hand this way, please? Real quickly, would you pray over me out loud and ask God to anoint me, please? Amen, you may be seated this morning. When the storms come, I wanna preach on recovery. When the storm is over. Recovery when the storm is over. There are two things that mark my mind. Both of them are personal things, one being more so than the other. When I was a child, the greatest storm of my youth was Hurricane Hugo. I don't know if there will ever be a storm that will mark my mind like Hurricane Hugo. When you have to take a bath as a child in the woods for almost two weeks, when you had to pump water like this right here, anybody know what I'm talking about, amen? That has marked my mind. And I also remember not only the storm, but Ronnie after the storm. 
that early that morning, especially with my daddy being a logger, the next morning that the first thing we did was grab our saws, me still being a youngster only to move limbs. But you know, I remember having to go and see what the storm did to us. The storm had come to a close, but the effects of the storm were just beginning. The storm was over, but there was the aftermath of the storm. Storms can cease, but the aftermath, how we deal with the storm that has now closed, sometimes can make the difference of fully recovering and just coping. Too many Christians just cope. They get by just to get by so they can get by until God calls them home. But I don't believe God's called us to cope. I believe that we're still more than conquerors through him that loved us. I still believe we can maintain joy, Philippians, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I can remember as a child watching the aftermath of that storm and seeing it take months to recover, but I do have good news. Everyone that had breath on the following morning recovered and what they lost didn't matter because it was restored somehow through somebody or through Almighty God. Simply saying, won't he restore all the things and the years that the worm has devoured? The second thing that marks my mind about recovery is Herschel when I pastored in Columbia, one of the greatest miracles of my ministry was the thousand year flood that came. I had an inside source with the National Guard that was on staff with me, and so we were always ahead of the curve, and he couldn't tell me what was going on. He, his words were like this, Pastor, if I say that the ducks are going north for the winter, that means you need to go north with your family. If I say the pigeons are flying south for the summer, that means you need to get south with your family. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes it's good to have people in somewhat high places. But also I remember that storm because God used our church as the hub church of the western side of Columbia to feed all people, clothe all people, and make sure their needs were met. I remember manifestations of miracles. People would drive from Georgia and say, I was praying for you, and the Lord told me to give you $10,000 so you can feed your community. See, some of you just woke up, just like that. I was preaching the word, and you're like, man, I wish he would hurry, and I mentioned $10,000. I'm with you now, preacher, let's go. I remember the Lutheran church in Hilton Head driving up when the last bottle of water went out. I remember saying to our staff, God will provide. And God sent the Lutherans by from Hilton Head to stick their head out the window and say, you need any water? I think we do, brother. Yes, I do. I remember a Carolina graduate. Can you believe a Carolina graduate? But a Carolina graduate who moved to Florida, who rented a whole 18-wheeler and sent us a whole truckload of water when we ran out for the sake of time. Won't God do it every time, even when the storm comes? But can I be honest with you? What also marks my mind about that storm is the African-American lady that was on the news. Anybody remember the lady on the news with the umbrella? And they asked her, what did you do when the storm was coming? How did you get out the storm? And what did you leave the storm with? She said this, I made it out by God. And then she said this, I made it out with two things. Two Totina's pizzas. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And my doggie. Praise his name. Anybody remember that? 
Her recovery from the aftermath of the storm was I made it out with two pizzas and a doggie, but I still made it out. You understand? I come and let somebody know that the storm's gonna cease in your life. The storms that blow in quickly will also come to an end. But just because a storm is doesn't mean it's over. It's what you do with the aftermath of the storm and what you recover and when you count your losses and count your gains that will begin to move you forward. And the battle is not what you have tangible. It's not your pizzas or your doggies. It's not the tangible that will matter. It's here and here. It's going to get you through through the next steps of your life. If it's only tangible that you're concerned about, the storm will mess the rest of your life up. But if it's the grace of God and the mercy of God and the providence of God and the sovereignty of God that you understand, I don't understand this storm. I didn't like this storm, but I'm telling you this devil, I made it through this storm on the other side. I've got some bruises and some cuts. I went through some sleepless nights. I went some, through some days that I doubted God. But all of a sudden at the midnight hour, God shined a light upon my path and I made it out. I don't know how I made it out, but I made it out in Jesus' name. If you can count on that, I've come to let you know when the storm's over, God's not done with you. God will move you forward in the name of Jesus Christ. In Luke 24, quickly. I've got a lot to give you in 20 minutes. Are you ready? Look to your neighbor and tell them to buckle up. Are you ready? In Luke 24, there are two followers of Christ, not the disciples, but followers of Christ, who have given their life to the Lord. At that very moment in Luke 24, they are leaving that place of crucifixion in despair. I'm asking God to make my words as, as arrows quickly. And as they leave Herschel, that place of despair, they are now going back home in what I would call a spiritual retreat. They have given their life to the Lord, their business to the Lord, their call to the Lord. Everything has been surrendered to him. But somehow through his teaching and his following, they became confused. Because they were okay with submitting to him as they thought he would do it on their time. Because the scripture is clear. They said, I thought he would have restored Israel by now. But they don't understand that their ways are not God's ways and their thoughts are not God's thoughts. There is going to be a restoration of Israel, but they don't understand the Gentile church was not in place yet. They had the, the cart before the horse, so to speak. So they leave that place in despair because what they had given their life to was placed on the cross, thrown in the tomb, and now there's some crazy rumors that he got up on the third day, but there's also another rumor that his body was stolen and now the very one that they have given their life to, they can't even find his body to come give homage to and to give honor to. They can't even come by his grave anymore to wipe his grave and say that's where our follower has been laid. But what they don't remember or they refuse to understand that in their storm here now of disappointment, despair, and confusion, that they forgot the words of their Savior and they forgot the words of the one who had led them to this path so far. Because they should have been people of special revelation. That this Jesus who came, he said he would come. Just like the Old Testament prophets said he would come. And he did exactly what he said he would do, just like the scripture said he would do. But they also forgot this one part. He came like a seed to be planted in the earth to sprout, but also die. 
But when that seed would die, it would also be scattered to raise up more fruit. That's exactly what happened on Calvary and on the resurrection morn. But they were not listening to the revelation that was already spoken by their Savior. Instead, they left in fear, sadness, gloom, perplexed, scattered, defeat, and they're running in retreat. They have forgotten that God is sovereign. Listen to me this morning. Never forget the sovereignty of God. When you get to a place and you have no answers, don't let the world, science, your mother-in-law tell you something about God that's not true. It's okay to say this right here. Aiden, I don't understand all things. And I don't know why these shootings keep happening. I just know it's evil running rampant. But this I know. I trust him that I committed myself to. And I know against the very evil day, the greatest evil day of all, my God shall deliver me even against the most evil day of this life. Son, if I'm shot tomorrow by a stray bullet or if God calls me home, never doubt the sovereignty of God. He is in control. He is still God. I didn't get saved because of the fish and loaves. I don't serve him because they paid me a good salary. I serve him, Herschel, because he's God all by himself. He's Jesus Christ, the resurrected one. He's Jesus Christ, the soon coming king. He is my savior, my friend, and my provider. He is my best friend and my bridge over troubled water. It's not the circumstances that make him my God. It's what he says in my heart that makes him my God. He's still sovereign. Two, there are no links the Lord will not go to bring you comfort. You think you'll fight hell to get to your children? I'm telling you, I serve a God that went down and took the keys from hell to make sure you've got a way back home to heaven. Three, he makes all things new. Mm -hmm. Y'all can't wait, y'all get to heaven and see me in my new glorified body. It's gonna be something beautiful to behold. Then you can't make fun of my hair any longer. You hear me? Some of you need to be careful that she bears around here in Wahala. Only 30% got that because you know scripture. The other said, I have no idea what he's talking about. It's all right. The background of this, before I give you a couple points, and I believe we're gonna shout around this house this morning. Now these two are left and they're going home in defeat and despair. Not remembering God's sovereignty, God's grace, his mercy. He makes all things new. He is God and he will go to great lengths to comfort them. They're walking now in great despair. Come here, Herschel, real quick, real quick. quick. You're going to have to move a lot this morning. Yeah, I know you're quick. Amen. I thought you about fell, but it's all right. That's my bad leg. That's your bad leg. Two people are walking alone now in despair. They are comforting each other, but not with comfort, but despair. And as they're going, they're walking home, it's over. We don't understand, let's do away with this. Let's go home and regroup. Let's just, let's just go back. But all of a sudden, real quick, all of a sudden, a stranger comes, a stranger comes. And when the stranger comes, he comes to them not as Christ, even though he's Christ, but he makes himself where they cannot discern that he is the Christ. It's, it's real, real difficult at times because some of us are so hard-headed that even when God shows up, we don't understand it's God. 
I, I don't want to preach this so quickly. Just throw this in for, for the lemon in the tea, kind of, so to speak. Sometimes God will do something for us when we pray and God answers, but we don't like the way that he answers, so we can't discern it's God. You need $20, but because a kid gives you $20 in pennies, you think that's not God? I don't care if it comes in the fish's mouth. If I need $20, it could come in, in silver nickels. I'll count it in Jesus' name. I'm still the one that picks up every penny that I see. Oh, you don't need it. That's all right. And so anyway, Jesus comes to them, but they are not aware. These two are in despair, but the risen Lord is going to great leaps to come to make sure that these two do not fall by the wayside. Just sit right there. I'm going to use you again. Introduce yourselves. Become friends. I don't care. First of all, in verses 17, you've got to understand that when Jesus shows up, others don't recognize the storm in my life. It says in verse 17, and he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have one another as you walk and are sad? Jesus speaking through the two. Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? They're calling the risen Lord a stranger in Jerusalem. I find that fascinating. And you have not known the things which have happened? Basically, they're telling Jesus who died. It's not their fault. He has hidden his identity. I'll touch on that in a moment. They look at Jesus and said, do you not know what's going on? Now, what I would have done to my other buddy, I would have said something like this. See there, all these strangers, they don't understand me. They don't know what's going on with us. I sold my business to follow Jesus. I did this to follow Jesus. And here comes this stranger. He doesn't know me. The first thing that the enemy wants to do after the storm is over in your life is to make you feel like you're on an island by yourself and nobody else doesn't know what's going on. Like you're the only mother that's ever had a child lose their mind. You're the only dad that's ever lost a job. You're the only Christian teacher in this church whose child or grandchild went wayward. You're the only person to have cancer at the North Walhalla Church of God. The devil wants to put you alone on an island to make you feel like nobody understands me. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Don't laugh at me. I, I'm kind of an old soul. There are times I, I put on, on, on YouTube, I like to watch, get ready for this. You're going to make fun of me. Don't make fun of me. I like to watch Hee Haw. I, I really do. Anybody remember the old show Hee Haw? I'm, I'm old. I, 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 I like it. I like it. It don't take much to make me laugh. It, it really doesn't. But, but that doom and despair and agony on me, I've watched it so much that I hear Ashton singing that song in his room. Some of you are just like that. The enemy wants to isolate you to make you feel like doom, despair, and agony on me, gloom, excuse me. There's nobody like this in the storm. I'm the only one. Nobody understands me. Nobody knows these feelings that I was born with. Nobody knows these lustful thoughts. Nobody knows that I'm mad at God. Do you think you're the only one that's ever been mad at God? Do you think you're the only one that's ever turned your back on God? Do you think you're the only one like Simon Peter who said I'm going back to my old life? No. You're not the first person to backslide. You're not the first person to cuss God and you won't be the last one. Are you the only one that gets confused in your doctrine where you stand? No. There there's many just like that. But the enemy wants you to think that you're the only one. I've come to let you know, brother and sister, you're not rowing that boat by yourself. 
There are others who are in the boat with you and not just others in the boat with you, but the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost is with you in your storm. And these two followers of Christ are thinking, who is this stranger? He doesn't know what's going on. Are you lost your mind? Have you not heard? And the stranger is going, I, I heard a little something. Can I come to let you know? Can you put down that pity party? Quit telling everybody what you don't know. Now let me push this as your pastor. You not get mad with me. And the greatest sensitivity that I can muster inside of me with the grace that I have, that I know I'm going somewhere, but only led by the Spirit. And if you would allow me to go there, I mean this not in any ill tense at all. I feel the Holy Ghost breathing me to tell somebody who suffered miscarriages and lost children this morning who you feel like nobody understands me and I have no words to express my pain and agony, Pastor. How dare you bring that up? I bring it up because I feel led of the Holy Ghost to tell you that the aftermath seems like you will never recover, but the grace and the mercy and the sovereignty of God is greater than any loss you have ever faced in your life. And if you would allow me as your pastor to breathe this word inside of you this morning, it's not over. Joy is going to come back into your life. You will see other smiles again. You're going to get up in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Two. They were confused in the storm. Verse 25. He said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets had spoken. He was simply saying to them, do you not know what he's already told you? The stranger is saying to them, I got a question. It's like looking at the person going, I, I got a question for you. I remember watching a Super Bowl a while back. It was the Seahawks and the Patriots. The Seahawks had the number one running back in football. And that they were on the one-yard line about to win the Super Bowl and everybody in the world, all those millions of people are knowing what's coming. Dive play to the right, they're gonna win the Super Bowl, 40 seconds on the clock. Even if he doesn't get it the first time, he'll get it the second time. Everybody knows what's coming. And what does the coach call? Slant pass from the right side. Ball's tip, ball's intercepted. Patriots win the Super Bowl. And now for the rest of eternity, everybody's saying this, what were you thinking? And do you not know you have the best running back in football? That's what the writer is saying to them at point number two. Didn't Jesus tell you that he was going to die? Didn't Jesus tell you that he would be thrown in a grave? Did he tell you he would get back up? And did he do just exactly what he said he was going to do? See, in the aftermath of the storm, when you're trying to recover, sometimes the enemy, that word is foolish. It means without understanding. Sometimes the enemy wants to confuse you so you don't know how to get up in the name of Jesus Christ. Just like that coach forgot that he has the number one running back in football, have you forgotten today that he is still Lord and he is still sovereign and there's nobody gonna intercept him 
or your prayers and even when the prince of Persia tries to interfere, if you will just keep praying, what did he tell him? I heard you the first time that you prayed. I don't know who I come to speak to, but I cast down confusion and I speak wisdom into your life and I tell you to get up in the name of Jesus Christ. This is not the end of your story. This is not the last stanza. This is not the last chapter. Baby, you're just in the third chapter there's gonna be more to be written about your life. Get up in the name of Jesus Christ. Forget about what you lost. Look forward in God. God has more for you. Can you give God praise if you believe that? Thirdly, real quick, real quick, thirdly, don't lose your identity. The Bible is clear that he would have kept going, but they constrained him to stay. These two were still believers in Christ. Custom was to invite them in your house at nighttime. Last night, Thomas Winchester stayed at our house. I didn't tell Thomas, you can't eat with my family. We cook more food for him so he can eat. Wouldn't you do that as a Christian? The difference between Thomas and Aiden is this though. Thomas ate two bites. When we cook for Aiden, we make two hamburgers. You understand what I'm saying? But either way, custom was to be kind. In the conversation with this stranger, something provokes their inner being and they remember who they are and they look at the stranger and said, won't you come to my house? Let's keep talking. I want to remind you of who you are this morning. And just because the storm is over and it's changed some things, it has not changed you for the worse. Brother Noah, I've been lied on. Did you keep your character? Did you keep the faith? Pastor, I've had somebody key my car. Can you still drive it? Pastor, I have somebody, can you get up in the morning and count your children? Don't lose your identity just because the storm is over and now you see that some things have changed. The storm is over and it has caused massive chaos. When Hugo was done, we cut trees for weeks and the landscape was never the same, but we were. Don't let the storm cause you to lose who you are, pastor. People have done me wrong. The enemy's trying to change your kindness, your love, and your compassion. Go the extra mile. You're still God's child. Churches go through storms. People go through storms. Don't let the storms cause you to be mean, irritable, unlikable, intolerable. Just because you've got a badge on your chest that says you went through something does not give you permission not to be who God's called you to be. I went through a bad divorce, Pastor. God didn't leave you, friend. Pastor, I went through a situation when an affair took place. I feel for you. But God still loves you and has never cheated on you one time. God can heal that wound and heal that marriage if two people allow. But even if that doesn't happen, God's not done with you today. Pastor, 
I've got cancer. I'm going to lose my hair. I'm going to lose what I feel is my covering. You hear me? You're a beautiful steel on the inside and the out. You are God's chosen vessel. This mortal body and the sicknesses that we face should not dictate, determine who you are on the inside. Don't lose who you are. The storms and the aftermath are meant to change you. You've come too far to go back. Back to the barroom. Back to the back alley. Back to the needle. Back to racism. Back to bitterness. Back to ugliness. Back to gossip. No, that man is is dead. That woman is dead. Buried six foot deep in the blood of Jesus Christ. I refuse to go back. I've come too far to go back. I don't know who I've come to preach to this morning. Don't lose yourself in the storm. You've been called out, separated, sanctified, sanctified holy, filled with the Holy Ghost, given wisdom from on high. Get up in the name of Jesus Christ and be who God has called you to be before he comes. Don't you lose your identity in the storm. Some of you, you've got less moments and years than you think. Don't let your last days on this earth be one that people regret or you regret. Get up in the name of Jesus Christ. What legacy are you gonna leave? I've been pleading with my daddy, thank you for calling me. His liver transplant has been the greatest blessing to my family. My dad in his 50s did not live as a godly man. He lived as a sinner. Almost as a teenage sinner. But sister, it was a liver transplant that changed him. During the years my dad was in his 50s, we didn't talk because I was a gospel preacher and he was a sinner doing things he shouldn't have done. We had nothing to talk about. He didn't want to talk to me. Since he rededicated his life and the storm came, he calls me every day now and gets upset if I don't call him once or twice a day. Don't let the storm change you. If it moves you in any direction, you let it move you for the good and don't lose your identity. What you thought was gonna kill you was nothing but God making it better. Now the legacy my dad will leave it's not the one that was in the 50s, but in his 60s. One that my children know a loving man where I did not know that for a long time. My boys say, Papa is so loving. My flesh wants to remember Papa that couldn't say a word without cussing or telling me he didn't like to hear me preach because it was too convicting. So thus he would just stay home and wish I'd do something else. Now in his 60s, he says, son, you got my funeral sermon ready? I know you're gonna preach a masterpiece. I said, well, daddy, you've given me a lot of material to work with. <laughs> He'll say then, Herschel, you make sure you preach about the last years of my life. What legacy are you leaving today? Lastly, and I close, something happens. They not only lose their identity, but Christ doesn't change either. Listen to me quickly. What should have took place, come here. These two followers should have fed me. 
I'm representing Jesus. These two followers should have gave me bread. You know, remember Jesus talking about bread one night in the upper room discourse? Remember that? These two followers should have fed me, but the scriptures doesn't say that. The scripture says that Jesus broke the bread and gave them to eat in their own house. We don't change unless for the better, but the good news is, brother, he never changes. And even when they're wrestling with this truth, Christ is still Christ even in the aftermath of the storm. And brother John, he is still the one doing the ministry to the broken. I don't know who I come and preach to, but even in your darkest hour, he doesn't change. And he feeds them and nurses them and their eyes are open. You may be seated. Would you stand with me please all over the house? As their eyes are opened, he vanishes after feeding them. And he's gone. Lastly, once God is restored and you counter the cost and the storm is over, get up. Brother Nolan, we, we've lost some, some money in the transition of jobs. You'll be okay. You might have to change your budget, but you'll be okay. Pastor, we've lost some things in the storm that, that perplexed us. You'll be okay as long as you continue to move forward. Scripture says in verse 33, that time this took place, they don't go to sleep. They get up and go right back to Jerusalem. They don't sit on it. They don't ponder it. They don't think, was that Jesus? No, was I dreaming? Was that just Brother Noah trying to move us emotionally? You know how he could get sometimes, move you? No, immediately they make a response. And they go right back to the ones who are suffering just like they and say to them, guess what? We saw him too. But it was different. He was a stranger. Was it a ghost? He hid his appearance. He talked to us about the scriptures. The word came alive again. It's amazing what the word can do in you. The word came alive. And then all of a sudden, I didn't offer him bread. He broke bread and look at me now. No more doom, gloom, and despair. No more agony. Nothing but new life in Jesus Christ. Your storm is over. Now move forward. Now move forward. Get your song back. Get your song back. Listen, I'm going to be very bold and I'm going to close. If you need to leave, leave. I got you. I understand. Kids, I get all that. But there are people here that leave, leave. I understand. Nobody, I'm not mad with anybody. But I want you to listen. For some of you, you hadn't had a family meal in peace in a long time. Brother Nolan, you're just saying that. If you don't know me after three years, I'm not just saying this. I feel pressed to the Spirit to say this. You've not had a family meal where there's been no confusion or chaos. I feel the Holy Ghost breathing on me. Tell you to plan the meal and set the parameters. Don't discuss anything that's gonna cause confusion. Not the president, not the border, not Cousin Eddie, not Aunt Jude, nothing. But begin to talk about how good God has been to you. Your child is sitting at your table, maybe the last time they sit at your table. Use it for good. In Jesus' name, 
Use it for good in Jesus' name. Pick yourself up. Move forward. Move forward. Count your calls. And move forward. Intact, in whole, same character, just greater in anointing and stronger. Shoulders back saying, if we can go through that, we can go through anything. If our church can go through that, we can go through anything. If our pastor, if my mama, whoever can go through anything. Brother Nolan, you don't go through anything. Stay with me after church. I'll share with you my last week. My dad's bad report. My mama having to have on stress tests on Friday. My older brother's business being set on fire. Situation in my own family. Dealing with some other personal things. And that's just since Friday morning. That doesn't include the church. Can I remind you, he's still God today. He's still God. Father, I have preached exactly what you told me to say. I don't care who likes it. I don't care who signs up for the CD club. I don't care who does what. I have preached exactly what you told me in the night. I've delivered this letter and I lay it down. There's people that need to move forward. They can't do ministry if they don't pick up and move forward. They can't pick up God. Some of them are weak right now because they're hurt. They've been lied on, done wrong. They have given and not been given back. Promises have not been kept. I get it, I get it. But the shackle may not be put on by self, but nevertheless, it's still shackled. So Father, I have the keys to the Word and the Spirit to unloose them. In Jesus' name, on the count of three, I want you to come. One, I want you to come with your family. I want you to come with your family. Two, I want you to come bold and say, I am getting past this storm. I will live, I will live and not die. Three, would you come right now? I'm not, I'm not gonna wait, would you come, would you come? Would you come, they're coming, they're coming. They're coming, would you come by faith, by faith, by faith. They're coming in Jesus' name. Two families have come today, anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? 30 seconds, 30 seconds, then we're gonna pray with these. You're gonna get through it. You're gonna pick up in Jesus' name. You're not gonna fall by the wayside. Count your calls, look at the aftermath, but get up. That stranger still comes to you in the night. You may not discern it as an angel, but I know the scripture says we entertain angels unaware. I don't know if I've ever seen one in the natural, but I'm sure some in the supernatural has preserved my life through car wrecks and situations. What about you today? Has God not been good to you, amen? Here's what I want you to do. I want to have at least three families gather around these three families. Would you do that right now? All of the house, I need leadership to come, please. 